This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Well, if you've ever looked at an older cookbook, then you must have wondered, listen, how do they eat some of this stuff? I mean, old recipes like that infamous luncheon meat salad mold. Who would eat that? There are so many more like that. There's a new book that delves into the history of all of these kind of strange but true recipes. It's called American Advertising Cookbooks. And the author, Christina Ward, joins us now. Christina, thanks so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. So, what is the idea behind this book and how did this idea come to you? Well, I'm a cookbook collector and a fan. And growing up, in Wisconsin, uh, you know, Canada light, as we usually like to say. <laughs> so, um, you know, we grew up with these recipes, the, the idea of like casseroles and canned foods and things out of boxes. And, as, you know, that combination of growing up eating that stuff and being a cook and a cookbook collector, you know, I realized that with the advertising cookbooks, it was a very, it was a great snapshot of what you know, American and as well as Canadian culture was, though the book is focused on American uh, companies, the, these cookbooks, these advertising cookbooks were prevalent throughout Canada as well. Right. But you must have come across some very odd recipes because these are books. So you essentially wrote a book about the books that um, companies would put out to try to get people to use their products. Right, because there is more to it. You know, we see these pictures of, you know, something like, you know, kind of ham salad in jello and go, ooh, right, it's disgusting. But more than just the picture is there's a story um, about how they got that way, how these recipes were developed, uh, how the advertisers marketed them to people, and uh, then how companies then worked to develop and create these recipes, which I think is, you know, more than more of an interesting story than just looking at um, icky pictures. Right. And because this was about an effort to kind of influence the food industry, change people's eating there, habits. Very much so. It's it post-World War One especially really changed um, how North Americans ate. Uh, this idea of the idea of being able to preserve food for longer than just a few days. And as the technology improved with like canning, dehydrating, it allowed for small mom and pop businesses, say like the Hellman, Hellman's mayonnaise company, like a, something like mayonnaise, which would only last a few days if you made it yourself to all of a sudden put it in a jar, ship it all over the world. And as you build a company, as you build a brand, you need to get folks on board in using it for everything. And w one of the great ways to do that was to develop recipes for it, to teach people essentially how to eat the food they were making. Right. So let's talk about one of the most interesting stories in the book, which has to do with that luncheon meat, jello mold salad, because there's a big story behind that. Doesn't it involve like Sigmund Freud's nephew? It does. Edward Bernays, uh, who was Sigmund Freud's nephew and grew up in the United States, trained under Uncle Sigmund in the latest of the psychoanalytic techniques and first took them for uh, the American government at the Versailles Peace Treaties post-World War I. And he was charged with, for the Committee with Public Information with spinning a positive message for the outcome of what the war was and what the peace treaty was. And he's credited to coining the phrase, uh, you, know, you know, bringing, you know, democracy in our time, you know, and, and putting that message forward. After his efforts um, post-World War I, he realized he could use those same techniques 
for companies in advertising. And that's really how modern advertising began. Wow. So there's a reason why we use, well, like, you know, why you use Toll House chocolate chips to make chocolate chip cookies. Like all of that has been influenced because of advertising. Absolutely. I mean, his Bernays started with his first real advertising campaign was with cigarettes, essentially getting women to smoke cigarettes in the 1920s, um, taking advantage of the women's rights movements and suffragettes and this ideal of what women were. So he was the fellow that invented the idea of not just saying, you know, hey, smoke a cigarette because you like it, but you know, recruiting doctors to say cigarette smoking will keep you thin. Look at all the movie stars now smoking cigarettes. And so by using those techniques to really work on the aspirational nature of people, of us wanting to be either better people or, you know, playing on something in our brains, he was really able to um, move advertising forward. And, you know, and we see that effect today. Right. Okay. Tell me about bananas too, because people think of bananas as just, you know, bananas, but there's a huge story that they play in the 20th century. They absolutely. And Bernays's next project after cigarettes was bananas. Uh, United Fruit, bananas again, um, they don't have a terribly long shelf life, but as the technology moved forward, the ability to store and ship them relatively quickly with boats and, and trains, Bananas were able to get shipped all over North America. But again, with all the bananas, we have to teach people how to eat them. And that's where, again, where Bernays came in. And those are the really early advertising cookbooks um, that started touting the health benefits of bananas, that, you know, recommending eating a banana a day. But conversely, it's really funny if you look at the very early United Fruit banana cookbooks, there's also images on like how to eat a banana, essentially saying, don't eat the skin, peel it first. (laughs) And some weird weird recipes too, right? Oh, crazy recipes. And again, that was the idea that we have to teach people how to eat the food. So they're going to throw every idea they possibly have at, you know, at people. And the ones, of course, we remember are the ones that are just totally outrageous you know, most famously, like the ham-wrapped bananas with a cheese sauce. Mm, disgusting. Okay. Yeah, that is disgusting. disgusting. <laughs> but, you know, but there's also recipes that were put forward by these food manufacturers in these advertising cookbooks that kind of stuck. Um, things like the Campbell soup kind of casseroles, where, you know, it's a, a casserole. You just add, you know, your kind of ground hamburger, a can of soup, and like tater tots or something like that. Those are still around today, and people love those kind of hot dishes. Right, and that's strictly advertised. Well, think about the green bean casserole, right? Americans don't have Thanksgiving without it, yet that's one of these recipes too, isn't it? It is, and it was developed by a woman, Dorcas Riley, who was trained as a home um, economist who had you know an advanced degree and worked for the Campbell Soup Company, and develop these recipes. The brilliant marketing for that specific recipe was that they directed it towards the Thanksgiving celebration. And so if you ask most Americans, how often do they make green bean casserole? They don't. They only make it on like Thanksgiving and sometimes Christmas. And again, that was great advertising by marrying the dish itself, this recipe to the holiday. It became so bonded in people's minds. It's like you almost can't have Thanksgiving without that 
horrible green bean casserole. <laughs> I guess, Christina, what strikes me about all of this is that we think that we're creating traditions, that we think that, oh, this is a family cookie recipe or this is a family Thanksgiving casserole recipe. It's not. Like, we have been kind of influenced and manipulated by the big companies. We have, absolutely. Um, it's something that was a study that was recently done um, in Milwaukee, where I'm from, uh, the local newspaper put out a call for the oldest family recipes they could find. And the majority of recipes all came from the 1920s and were originating from those advertising cookbooks. Wow. Okay, that really tells us a lot, doesn't it? Uh, Christina, thank it you does. so much for talking to us about this today. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. That is Christina Ward. The book is called American Advertising Cookbooks. I found this so fascinating.